Jambase is pleased to present Clusterflies, a covers compilation reimagining Fish's album Farmhouse, bonus songs, and revamped tracklist. The limited edition 3LP release was mastered by engineer Joe Lampert and includes custom artwork and a poster created by longtime Fish collaborator Jim Pollock. A pre-order is underway now through May 3rd at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit www.clusterflies.com for purchasing information as well as full album credits and trackless details. Among the artists who recorded Fish covers for Clusterflies were Umphreys McGee's, Brendan Bayliss, Club Delph, Daniel Donato, Sylvan Esso, Chris Forsyth, Neil Francis, Jennifer Hartswick, Amy Helm, Lindsay Liu, Reed Mathis, White Denims, James Petrali, Strand of Oaks, Sadler Vaden, Vetiver, William Tyler, Riley Walker, and a supergroup led by Tim Palmieri. Each of the songs on Clusterflies will be featured via daily episodes of the Jam Bass Podcast, with interviews with the musicians that recorded the cover. This episode features Twist, which was covered for Clusterflies by Umphreys McGee's Brendan Bayliss. Scott Bernstein, and today we'll dive into Twist, a song Humphreys McGee guitarist Brendan Bayliss recorded for the compilation. Brendan's version of Twist for Clusterflies will be premiered tonight, April 29th, at 7 p.m. Eastern on Ari Fink's show Headbands on Sirius XM's Fish Radio. Fish guitarist Tranastasio wrote Twist with longtime songwriting partner Tom Marshall. The quartet unofficially debuted the tune at Sandstock, a show held for some friends at crew members Brad Sands and Pete Carini's house in Charlotte, Vermont on June 6, 1997, before the band headed to Europe for the first leg of a summer tour. Twist was premiered publicly on the second night of the tour at the SFX Center in Dublin, Ireland on June 14, 1997. It's interesting that the version at Sandstock ran just a smidge over five minutes, but in Dublin, Twist spanned nearly 10 minutes. Yet that was only the beginning for Twist as a jam vehicle. The next Twist was played in Prague on June 20th, 1997. This Prague version was the first to go Type 2 as Fish broke through the song's typical structure for a funky workout. Twist in Prague was also the first to feature a jam akin to the Santana-popularized Oye Como Va, something that would happen a number of times over the years that followed. Listen to a bit of the Prague twist.
Fish continued to elongate twists the next night as the 13-minute version in Prague was followed by an 18-minute workout at Germany's Hurricane Festival. Twist was played a total of 11 times in 1997. However, the song appeared live just twice in 1998. The first came on opening night of the island tour and helped set the tone for the run. Fish experimented with the arrangement of Twist as they brought the song back more frequently in 1999. Check out the Dum Dum intro, which acts as the substituting every sound lyric from the band's December 5th, 1999 concert in Rochester. The new intro likely came from the sessions that yielded Fish's Farmhouse album. Fish made full use of the studio effects for the version found on their 2000 LP. The Dum Dums are sung by Trey on the studio version as drummer John Fishman lays down a groovy beat underneath. Twist ends in a particularly cool way as the jam fades into a recording of the band and their friends talking and laughing while Paige continues to sing, Wouldn't Twist Around. Farmhouse was recorded at the barn, and Bryce Goggin, who co produced the album with Trey, Share the following about the experience with Fish biographer Park Peterborough. I'd have to say the making of this record opened up my eyes to an awful lot of reality as far as how well you can do when you allow things to happen. There were an awful lot of moments where I wasn't sure whether what we were doing was exactly the right way of pursuing it, but just by sitting back and seeing how everybody was responding to what was going on, I could see the things were becoming more and more musical and exciting. There were times we were recording and there were 30 people in the barn who were all talking and drinking and carrying on. We would be working on very difficult pieces of music that were not in the same mind frame of everybody else at the party. But I could see the band digging in and concentrating even more because there was the distraction around. It just forced them to focus. And they also would get a response from the people at the party to what they were doing. I think that was an essential part of the recording. And that's something I probably would never try in a conventional recording studio because you've got all this expensive equipment around and you've allotted all this time to do X. So why are you doing Y? It's obvious that doing Y yielded this result, but it was definitely an unexpected surprise and byproduct. And it opened my eyes up to the realities of musicianship and the ways musicians involve themselves with their environment. Here's the outro from the studio version. Around. Wouldn't twist around. Wouldn't twist around.
Trey spoke with guitar player in 2000 about the different tones he used on Farmhouse. You get a lot of tonal variety throughout the album. The sonic contrast is dramatic between, say, that fat, juicy lead lines in Farmhouse and the biting snarl of Twist, Trey said. On Twist, I'm playing off the bridge pickup, whereas on Farmhouse, I'm using the neck pickup the whole time. Other than that, it's the same setup. You could do a heck of a lot with your hands. Like on Twist, I was digging in for a Keith Richards kind of vibe. Fish celebrated the release of Farmhouse with two shows at Radio City Music Hall in New York City and a performance at NYC's Roseland Ballroom. On May 21st, 2000, at the first show of the Radio City run, the band unveiled yet another new intro for Twist. This time, the songs just started with John Fishman and the dum-dums were gone. Fish went over 90 seconds before the first lyric at Radio City, but shortened the intro at Roseland just two nights later. The quartet used the day off during the final pre-hiatus run to perform Twist on The Tonight Show starring Jay Leno. This was the shortest twist yet, and to say the band looked in bad shape, well, that might be an understatement. Eleven versions of Twist followed in the post-hiatus era, with the take from July 9th, 2003 at Shoreline, the first labeled by our friends at Fishnet as unfinished, as there's a really cool dissolve into sense and subtle sounds. Fish went the other way on July 25th, 2003 in Charlotte by working an epic Kung into Twist. Check out the transition. The first version of Twist Past the Vaunted 20-Minute Mark came on July 30th, 2003 in Camden. More 20-plus-minute versions followed in Vegas and Saratoga Springs in 2004. Fish broke up in August of 2004 and took nearly five years off before reuniting at Hampton Coliseum in March of 2009. During the breakup, Twist made a few appearances. Trey played a solo version as part of a tab show on November 26, 2005, and then Mike sat in with Tab on bass for Twist at the Electric Factory in Philadelphia on October 11, 2006. Mike actually performed Twist without any other members of Fish once in 2006 and again in 2008. Gordon sang lead with the Rhythm Devils on Twist in Columbus, Ohio on October 19, 2006. Then, the bassist kicked off his third set with Grateful Dead drummer Bill Kreutzmann and his old pal guitarist Scott Mirowski at Dose Lunis 
in Jaco, Costa Rica on January 5th, 2008. Fish didn't wait long to bring back Twist once the breakup ended, as they fit a version into their second set at Hampton Coliseum on March 8th, 2009. The song has been in heavy rotation throughout the 3.0 era, and Fish has only gone more than 10 shows between plays five times since the Hampton run in 2009. Twist often serves as a jam vehicle between 2009 and 2019, with eight versions expanded beyond the 15-minute mark. One such version took place at Nashville's Ascent Amphitheater on October 18, 2016, when Grateful Dead guitarist Bob Weir joined the band for the song, one of just two originals Bobby sat in on as part of his six-song guest appearance. Listen to a taste of the jam that ensued. Next year, Fish made the most of Twist during their appealist Baker's Dozen residency at Madison Square Garden. Page's synth work really stands out, and the track was one of just 13 from the run selected by band members for the 3LP 6CD best of compilation, The Baker's Dozen, live at Madison Square Garden. was when Twist made its way back into Trey's solo repertoire. Not only did Anastasio fit renditions into five solo acoustic shows, but Twist was among a big batch of Fish classics adapted for the Trey Anastasio Trio. The Trey Anastasio Trio features Trey, bassist Tony Markellis, and drummer Russ Lawton. Anastasio went with the trio while tab keyboardist Ray Pachkowski recovered from brain surgery. Twist was played by the trio twice in April 2018, but unlike many of the other Fish songs that made its way into the tab repertoire that month, Twist has yet to be played again by the group, with one exception. Twist closed out the third of eight The Beacon Jams livestream concerts at the Beacon Theater in New York City on October 23, 2020.
sparse band for the bulk of the night, including Twist, featured Pachkowski, Lawton, Markellis, and percussionist Ciro Baptista. A reminder that Brendan Bayless's version of Twist that he recorded for Clusterflies will be premiered tonight, April 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern on Ari Fink's show Headbands on Sirius XM's Fish Radio. Now let's hear my chat with Brendan about his take on Twist, his fish fandom, and more. Thanks, Brandon, for taking the time to chat with us and, of course, for contributing Twist to Clusterflies. How familiar were you with Twist before you accepted the assignment? I was familiar with it. I've never played it before. Um, definitely heard it, saw it live. Um, uh, I'd never tr- tried to play it before, but... I felt like if it, since it was just me doing it, I needed to do it completely differently because I didn't have anything to kind of hide behind. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? So that's why it's so stripped down. It's just kind of like, let's see how basic I can, I can get this. Kevin came, Kevin Browning came over to help me uh, record it and cranked up the compression and the preamp. So basically like I was barely, barely touching the guitar. Very cool. It's it's such an unusual version. Did you listen to any of Fish's takes specifically before you went ahead and re- decided how you were going to create your own? No. Um, so initially, when when this was brought up, it was brought up to Umphreys, and this pandemic kind of situation didn't really lend itself for us to all fly together to record a song. And of course. So, um, initially, um, we passed on it just cause the timing wasn't right. And, um, Mikkel, who I'm sure you're familiar with. John, Don McClendon from yeah. the uh, jam bass team. Yep. Um, he kind of emailed me directly and was like, listen, if you, if you guys can't do it, you should still think about doing it. And I think he kind of hit into my, my Catholic guilt. <laughs> for everything that jam bass has done for us this was definitely the least i could have you know have done so um he kind of persuaded me into doing it um so i started listening to the album and i didn't really know who claimed what song. i knew there were a couple songs that were already claimed right. and twist was one that was open so i i listened to it and i was like well selfishly it's not that long you know <laughs> So I knew I could figure it out quickly. And um, then I was trying to figure out how to do it in a way that would be cool. And I, I thought that just doing it just as the recorded version of a of dude on acoustic guitar is just not going to be that appealing to me or probably anybody else. So I figured let's, let's put a twist on twist. <laughs> well said, well said. And it's very unusual. And I guess part of that is uh, the recording process that you talked about, about how um, the guitar is, is so low in, in the mix. Um, there, there's also pedal steel. Is that Mike Racky? It's Mike Racky, yeah. He lives very close. And we've been making music together for years. 
and I, I laid the foundation of it. And then I was going to try and do some kind of pedal steel esque guitar lines on it because I, I felt like it sounded kind of spooky and haunting. Definitely, and that that kind of vibe would would really gel. And then instead of doing it myself, I figured, why don't I just get Mike? Because he's that's what he does. He does it very well, and he could do it in way less time than it would take me to try and fake it. Did you give him any instructions before the session? Nope. So that's just him going excellent. Yeah, he showed up, and we played it. Kevin and I played it for him. He wrote down the chords. And then did basically, I think it was top to bottom from me starting guitar, vocal, and racky. The whole thing was in four, four hours. We were done. So wow! It, it, at your home? Yeah, my right here. Uh, excellent. Yeah, I had to like run upstairs and tell the kids to be quiet because you could hear them running because the the mic was cranked so much because I was playing like feather touch that you could hear like. Kids fighting about Legos. <laughs> I don't think we, we need that in the final version. No, no. And you went back and forth. Um, I don't know if that was you or Kevin. And there were a couple of mixes before you settled on the uh, final one. And I thought it was interesting. The first one didn't really didn't sound like you at, at all. And the more that it was worked on, the more your signature voice kind of uh got in, infused in it well that's that's more kev basically like i i do my part physically and then he took it home and started playing with it so and he's obviously been recording me since 1998 yeah. so he knows how to manipulate me and make me sound better than i am <laughs> so uh yeah he was tweaking it and then there was if you listen to it there's a point it's a the same progression over um, and then at the end, he twists it, if you will, where one of the chords comes in early where it sounds like a mistake, but it's cool. And initially, I, I first time I heard it, I was like, did I fuck that up? Oh, wait, sorry if I'm not supposed to cuss. No, you totally cool. Um, so I thought I messed it up. And then I realized it was Kevin messing with it. And my initial like freak out, like that's not cool. Then after listening to it three times, it's like now it sounds very well it's intentional but now it sounds uh normal to me excellent i'm I'm so excited for our listeners to uh to hear it It, it's such an unusual version and what i like about the way this album came out is that there are some songs that the artist uh stuck fairly uh straight to the versions and there are some like your twist where you completely reinvented the song. And uh, I think it's nice to have that, that mix. And I'm glad you took the approach that you did. Oh, thanks, man. It was kind of like, I don't know. It seemed, uh, I've been playing a lot of acoustic stuff over the last year, just in here in my basement. So I've been in that mellow, low-key uh, vibe. So it just kind of was lined up with what I've been doing for the last year. So I'm really curious to hear where it lands in the mix with everything else. Cause I haven't heard anybody else's versions of it. Their tunes. Well, so- soon enough. Uh, when did it come out? Uh, we're, we're in, in April. We're, we're uh, putting it out. Um, when was your first to show? My first, fi- it's funny because I was actually talking, Racky came over yesterday to um, have a St. Patrick's day beer. 
And I told him that I was doing this interview with you. So we listened to the song, started talking about fish. And my first show was Marat, Indianapolis. So it was like August 13th. I want to say it was Friday the 13th, 1993. And it was the famous bathtub gin. Yes. Or I think Santana called them the hose with it. I had never seen him before. I'd been listening to him. I had Rift and I had Lawn Boy and I had um, the one before that. And so I was familiar with them. Yeah. Is it Junta or Junta? I don't know. Junta, we've learned from the um, Undermine podcast. It's officially oh. Junta. <laughs> okay. Well, now I know. Yeah. So I listened, I was listening to them and I went with some friends in high school and they played that bathtub gin. The show opened with lengthwise. It's just Fishman came out and sang lengthwise. And I was like, this is different. And then um, that bathtub gin was like 25 minutes long. They went all over the place, which I just assumed that's what they did every night. So I was like, I'm coming. I got to come see this again because if this is what they do every time. And then they played Life Boy, which is one of my favorite tunes. And I was like, if you can get like introspective with Life Boy and make me start to think about God and then take me on this bathtub gin quest, I was like, so I'm coming back for more. And when did you wind up uh, seeing them again? Do you recall? Um, Do you see them a decent bit in the mid 90s? Oh, yeah. I lived in South Bend, Indiana, and there was nothing to do. So we got, we got out of town as much as possible. So I saw. I don't know, man. I want to say 70 shows probably before um, I decided that I didn't want to pay for it anymore and I wanted to see if I could do it myself. Absolutely. You know? Wow. Um, so, yeah, I was on tour with Vince. We did two summers where we were selling t-shirts in the parking lot. Vince, the, Vince Iwinski, the original manager of uh, Umphreys. You guys sold t-shirts? Yep, sold t-shirts. I got busted at the Gorge by security and they were like trying to escort me backstage and this huge dude was like pushing his thumb into my back of my shoulder and I had a backpack full of shirts. And I was like, okay, listen, listen, I don't have a belt on. Let me just pull my pants up. And he let go. <laughs> as soon as he let go, I just bolted like Michael Bolton and got away. What was on the t-shirt? What was the design? Uh, it was a picture of Winnie the Pooh. Okay. From, um, Cause I was reading the Tao of Pooh. Tay Piglet had just come out and it was a Winnie the Pooh like sketch a friend of ours drew from Notre Dame, Paul. And it looked like, you know, classic Pooh. And he was, it was like the helping friendly book. He was like outside of a tree and something about the helping friendly book will plant the seed or something. Winnie the Pooh. I don't know what he had to do with it. Very cool. Other than the ones that I got taken from me, we sold them all. Right. <laughs> Hopefully there's a statute of limitations now. Cause that was in 2000. So. Okay. Uh, do any shows stick out from those days as among your favorites? I saw the uh, remain in light. Wow. At the Omni. And I thought that was awesome. Cause I actually liked talking heads and I saw the quadrophenia at Allstate, and on, I was way into the who at the time. So when the waves started coming in over the PA, right. I was, I was like, oh, I think they're going to do quadrophenia. Like, I, and I was like, there's no way. And then they started, I was like, okay. A lot of people didn't know what was going on. I was still. 
Yeah, that's great. On on both of those accounts, I mean, it's not the White Album, Quadrophenia, or Remain in Light. So that's pretty cool that you were dialed in and got to enjoy those in the moment. Yeah, I saw those. And then I saw the Big Cypress one, the Sunrise set. That was one of the best weekends of my life. And then after that, I basically was, I was like, I got to, I got to put my head down and get to work. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that many since. I will share um, my experience. Um, one of the best fish shows that I ever saw was at Deer Creek um, on July 25th, 1999. And um, fish just played this amazing show. And my friends and I, who had seen that whole tour, went back to uh, Dead Creek to our campsite just with the best post-show glow. And all of a sudden, we hear this band playing Waterfalls by TLC. And we're like, what the hell is that? And went and saw you guys. And that was my introduction to Umphreys McGee. And uh, that was quite, I mean, you, you combine both of those experiences, uh, to the, the two bands that I've seen the most now, um, just met up on this one magical night. <laughs> uh, we got to gotta involve TLC and Left Eye, right? Yes. <laughs> um, man, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to have, that have told me that they were at Dead Creek and they were there that night. And almost so many people that it's impossible. Right. It's one of those Woodstock things where. But, um, I, I, so I ask everybody if they were there when the gas powered generator ran out of gasoline, all the power went. I don't remember that. I, I remember that. Part. Okay. Okay. I might have been asleep by then. It was a long night. <laughs> and uh, what are some of your favorite fish songs, would you say? I mean, Life Boy, for some, always kind of hit me. Um, I like a lot of the early stuff, man. Like, I grew up, uh, let's see, so 93 was my first show. I was like 17. So a lot of that stuff, like Reba, um, the composed stuff. That okay. is, you know, like, I guess this, their early stuff just kind of, that's what I grew up on. So I sure. try to pick my favorite, man, maybe Reba, just because that's the guitar, the guitar solo at the end. It's like, you could, you could leave me there for 20 minutes, yeah. you know, let alone the whole composed getting there part. But. And when was the most recent fish show that you've seen? <laughs> The last time I saw fish was, oh man, maybe Bonnaroo when they were at Bonnaroo, but they did some, oh, Wrigley Field. Okay. 2016. Uh, yeah. Well, whatever the last time they were at Wrigley Field, um, I went with a bunch of friends and Joel Cummins was there and he was in a disguise, but his disguise was kind of drawing more attention than I <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about joel for you <laughs> yeah he had a blonde wig he looked like brett michaels right oh, that's right i think i've seen pictures of of that, so. that that's great <laughs> but yeah that was uh that was the last time i think i've seen him. very good well Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and again for contributing the amazing version of Twist, which we're excited for uh, Clusterfly's uh, purchasers and for everyone to hear. I am too. Uh, and thanks for having me. And th- uh, thank you to Jambase for the 
don't know, countless years of telling people to go see us when we weren't worthy. We definitely appreciate all the help you guys give. You got it. I feel like we, the company and your band grew up together and uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really nice to have you on, on the compilation. I appreciate it. That brings an end to this episode of the Jam Bass Podcast's Cluster Flies series. Many thanks to Brendan for chatting with us and for participating in the Cluster Flies project. Be sure to visit Jam Bass to hear Brendan Bayless's cover of Fish's Twist and visit www.clusterflies.com to purchase your copy of Cluster Flies today.